Welcome to the Voyage Podcast, a show that traverses the oceans of myth and legend through the lens of Catholic theology and philosophy. Come aboard as we set sail in pursuit of the heroic life and Christian virtue with your hosts, Mike Schramm and Jacob Platty. Hey everybody, welcome back to part three of our conversation on the dark night of the soul, the spirituality of Batman, uh, how it relates to Christianity, mythology, those sorts of things. I'm your host, Mike. And I am Jacob. Did we call it the dark night of the soul last time? Because that's... You know what? We're going to have to um, retroactively put that on the other two. It's going to be Dark Knight of the Soul Part 1, Dark Knight. You know, just because it's too good of a title, we have to use it for... And it's a continuity thing, too. So we have to... um, What's that called? Uh, uh, Retcon? Retcon. We're going to... Hey, we're already retconning our stuff. (laughs) uh, That makes me feel like a big boy, right? So... I was gonna. I thought you were gonna say that makes you feel like an Old Testament priest going back into the Pentateuch, but uh, yeah. <laughs> or is that too? Uh, that's controversial. That, I was gonna say, yeah, that's an edgy. That's an edgy. Uh, what historical well, criticism uh, Mike, comment? Right? You are you are a prototypical edge lord. So <laughs> gross. I, <laughs> I was. You know what though? That's because my my podcasting heroes are now you know the Lord of Spirits. Um, apparently, two different hosts. Uh, which maybe that needs to get cut out too. I don't know. But uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> no, any, I'm all you know, about any, it. Any sort of joke that, yeah, I feel like they would say is something. So, I mean, yeah, very much. We're, we're going to retcon, go back to our previous two. They, it has always been the dark night, K-N-I-G-H-T, right. of the soul uh, and connecting all of it together. So Perfect. Well, today, wait, wait, though, wait. for this Before last we one. keep running forward, though, how great is that title? The Dark Knight K of the Soul. Dark Knight of the Soul. You're yeah, welcome. Uh, You're welcome, universe. Yeah. That's what we're here so for. So if you could all just humor Jacob in his mockery of me because uh, we'll all <laughs> no, just kind of I love it. make fun of the yeah, make fun of the dad joke, the the pun, <laughs> the Batman pun, or the Catholic Batman pun, whatever. Um so and 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 it does very much fit into especially our, our second conversation. We were talking about apophaticism and darkness and mystery. And that's very much, you know, if you look at the theological dark night with just the N, no K, dark night of the soul. It's uh, very much has to do with what we were talking about with Batman, right? And how it's entering into the mystery. It's that darkness. It's um, how that can be purifying as well. And it's purifying, you know, you're wanting God for God's sake and not just for the gifts that God can give you. And I think it actually flows into well, or at least our second conversation, part two, flows into today's because this is going to be all about the perceived weakness in so much of the Batman character, in so much of the Batman, um, again, movies, animated series, which is what I prefer to refer to the most anyway, uh, how that actually becomes a source of strength. And so there's obviously some theological undertones to that, which you can actually get in the, the mini-sode that goes along with this conversation. I try to release one or two mini-sodes uh, for each of the conversations Jacob and I are having. He just and can't quite talk enough during these episodes, so we gave him his own thing so he could just get it out. You know, he's got a vent. He's got a theologically vent, or, or else the pressure builds. Well, and it's like, it's kind of a, a 
favor to to Jacob and to all of you guys because if it weren't for those, these episodes would be that much longer. These conversations would be longer. And so I figure if somebody wants to nerd out with me on some of these things, they can go into those, you know, in between times. Uh, and they're only about 20, 25 minutes or so. But uh, fair, fair. this this one is on kenosis. And so it's that emptying, that self-emptying, right? You're making yourself weak in order to, you know, fulfill some greater purpose, so to speak. And so that the mini-sode is on kenosis. Um, this conversation, we're not going to go into all of the background of, you know, where kenosis comes from, where it comes in the Bible. Uh, we may make some allusions and references to it just as part of the conversation. But we want to kind of see where do we see that showing up a lot in the Batman character in any of the iterations, right? And mm-hmm. and there's going to be a lot of, um, you know, you're going to see it in a lot of um maybe in similar ways, maybe in some different ways too. Can you think of any, just the kind of the self, like kind of self-emptying oh, sure. thing that Batman does? Yeah. Are you kidding me? I pretty <laughs> much know everything about Batman. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But I do no, have a rather, <laughs> I do have a rather robust cursory knowledge of Batman. Let's just call it that. Um, you know, this is an interesting topic to talk about when it comes to um, the bat, because You've seen, you've actually seen in modern storytelling with this character a little bit more of a criticism of Batman for being um, unwilling to go there, right? Uh, in both the Dark Knight trilogy and even the Snyderverse DC Universe stuff, um, Batman versus Superman, both of those examples, you have the idea of Batman being a cause of escalation, right? So that his very presence is kind of inspiring evil. And, you yeah, know, definitely. for him to do this, it, it you know, it's reactionary. Gotham needed a better class of criminal, right? Mm-hmm. That exactly. Line. Batman begins the very end of it kind of thing. Uh, you know, the Commissioner Gordon brings up, or was it Captain? Commissioner? Captain? No, Captain, right? Captain at the end of Batman Begins. He brings that up, and then uh, Joker says better class of criminal uh, in the Dark Knight. Um, so let's put a pin in that. I'm going to come back to it. But then what hap- What you see talked about thematically with Batman versus Superman um, is the idea that Batman refuses to kill, and there what Zack Snyder, his commentary on that was that that was silly, right? And so if you look at how Batman behaves in Batman versus Superman, he's not a Batman who's altogether concerned with human life. And so there's lots of moments in that movie where he's doing things that are rather dramatically violent, um, or at least, you know, unconcerned. Fortuitously. Yeah. Well, just unconcerned about actually keeping people alive kind of thing. Uh, and then also specifically proactive and trying to actually kill Superman. Right. So just callousness too. just callous. Well, and really, a frankly, something of a betrayal of the character. Um, a lot of people were, were really upset with the depiction of Batman and Batman versus Superman. Um, because so what's so important to Batman's, character's identity is his lack of killing right that he's never going to do to another human being what happened to his parents and what happened to him as a child like the grief that he experienced with it 
and that it's a line that he will not cross. Another reason why he doesn't kill people beyond just not wanting to be an imitator of the murderer of his parents is that he's afraid of crossing that line, that it's basically the only thing that keeps him from uh, just becoming a full-on lunatic, right? This is a little bit more cynical. <laughs> this is a little bit... That type of talk, um, I think, comes a little bit later on in the storytelling with Batman, because the first, like, 60 years of Batman, I think it's much more accurate to say that the compelling reason for Batman not to kill people is because he was not a killer. Just full stop. Just as simple as that. Just good old fashioned uh, Christian morality, and where he's just if, not yeah. going to kill people. Even um, if you want to like see that as simplistic or whatever, like you can look at the the growth or the the development um, even into what we start to see. And even if you kind of look away from like the the nineties um, live action movies that were mm -hmm. trying Tim to be Burton and messy. the Schumacher ones. But but if Schumacher. you um, but. Uh, but if you just jump right to the Nolan ones where you'd say, oh, that's where he's developed. It's developing from that kind of um, overly simplistic. Like you kind of said, even if it's a just taking a conventional Christian morality of thou shall not kill or something, but mm -hmm. deepening it a little bit more. But then it's almost like it bottoms out, like you were saying with the Snyder, right, where it's like, oh, now we've done that already. We have to kind of like go cynical, go callous. You know, well, that's the not, thing. The yeah. Dark Knight trilogy does a really, really good job of capturing the kind of a really pretty decent job, let's say, of capturing the kind of moral center of Batman, um, you know, his development. In Batman Begins, he starts out willing to kill um, Joe Chill, and then he has that moral awakening where he doesn't want to become like his, you know, evildoers and things like that. And that leads him on his path to figuring out what he can do besides just imitating them kind of thing. Um, hey, this is a little heads up for uh, future episodes, I think, this this imitation talk. But uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, it, what when fans saw Batman versus Superman and saw how willing he was to... Um, basically kill people right like um or allow people to die without any concern for their lives and things like that and then ultimately seek out to kill superman they're like that's not batman he's not a killer he's not a killer and Zack snyder who i'm not even not a fan of Zack snyder people i i like a lot of Zack snyder's movies um his Snyderverse Justice League movie is a million times better than the theatrical. So there's a plug for that. It's like six hours long in black and white, but way better story. Go check it out. Anyway. I heard it's just said, all slow motion. And so that's why it's actually <laughs> it's longer. Just six hours. Right? It's just six. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. I'm, that you know, man loves I'm sure his gravitas. <laughs> knowing, knowing, yeah, that it was Snyder. I'm sure that joke's been made a million times too. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, the yeah, I wonder what the runtime would be if you just took out all the slow-mo in his movies. Um, no, but anyway, Zack Snyder, he had something of a poor response uh, to people's criticism because he's like, um, it's silly that Batman doesn't kill. We don't hold that standard to other superheroes. We cherish superheroes all the time who are unafraid of killing people. Um, sometimes you just got to kill bad guys, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, think of Rambo. Right, nobody's upset if you see John McClane or John Rambo or um, you know 
Conan the Barbarian, right? Like killing bad guys. Um, so why is Batman any different? Uh, it, you know what that <laughs> what that does though is it betrays what makes Batman different. It it kind of betrays how much knowledge Zack Snyder was able to internalize at least about um, what makes Batman special. Well, it's a disrespect uh, for the mythology, right? It's a I mean, it's a disrespect for the it's a dis, it's a casual dismissal of the mythology in favor of a far more modern understanding of the kind of like hey well if bad guys are going to do bad things it's just okay to go kill them kind of thing he's a vigilante we support this type of stuff in the comics this comes out where there's a there's actually been for a couple decades now like just kill the joker batman just kill the joker kill the joker you idiot He's just going to escape Arkham Asylum. He's going to kill 200 more humans, and well, you could have stopped that. It's very much a utilitarian kind of approach, right, to just – It is. It's a – It's not rooted in virtue ethics, right? Uh, it's definitely utilitarian. So, and, so what I want to say about this is Zack Snyder's not coming out of nowhere, people. The Batman comics have been addressing this question for a while now. Like, why doesn't Batman just kill the Joker? And it's frankly, it seems to come up more and more. And it's interesting. I don't know if I'll be able to give examples off the top of my head, but every author, every writer on these comic lines, they always have to, they always have to re-answer that question. And they come up with different answers for that question, depending upon what. It's comic. quite a take to replace the Joker with Superman, though. That's the. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, that's true. That's the, even that even <laughs> even the um, the comic, the Dark Knight Returns from the '80s, that introduced that epic fight that Batman vs Superman is really based off of, didn't didn't have Batman trying to kill Superman. <laughs> you know, like. Um, it, uh, but uh, it's like, well, if I can't kill the Joker, I'll just kill a good guy, I guess. Well, yeah. he's using it. You know, it's it's like a. Yeah, it, he is. He's he's basically just waiting into the, the question. He actually he isn't even waiting into the question. He's just giving his answer. Zack Snyder is like, no, I think Batman should kill people. Or at the very least, I think Batman um, should be unconcerned with the lives of evil people. Yeah. It's, and, a, it's a giving a middle finger to the question is what it yeah he like just kind of moves past it and just kind of own takes ownership of what his his opinion to the answer should be and a lot of people were pretty dissatisfied with it but you can't be dissatisfied with the question and the comics have been trying to deal with it for a long time and because we live in this really postmodern subjective culture utilitarian culture it's less and less convincing why Batman doesn't just kill the Joker. I think that most people find it to be fairly commonsensical. Or is it commonsensible? What would it be, Mike? Commonsensical? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I think... Commonsensical. I, I sen like, common sense. Well, yeah, let's keep talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it, people would that's, find common sense dictates that you should just kill the Joker. He's just going to mm. murder 500 more people, right? Um, but you know what? That that's what makes well, Batman one is worth less than five hundred. That's the <laughs> it is. That's the I know that's the man. The, the lives yeah. of the many outweigh the lives of the evil, mega maniacal Joker. Um, but uh, Batman, this goes back to our last episode. Batman transcends all that, and frankly, it's what uh, the Dark Knight movie addresses when Bruce Wayne's character is like, "I got to turn myself in. I can't just let these people die." 
Um, and now this is kind of the inverse. This isn't about killing, you know, the question of killing bad people. It's the question of saving innocent lives. And um, it's actually, ironically, uh, Alfred, who's like, Batman transcends these questions. Like, you can't get bogged down in those details. A again, it's a reference to the kind of transcendent quality of the Batman persona well, that we were discussing. And actually, that kind of brings us back around a little bit. Ironically, you could almost say, to it's from this self-emptying, from this kenosis that we see in his character that allows him to do that. Um, and there's lots of different examples of the, you know, whether, like you were kind of entering into the darkness, right? He's, he's almost like shedding his light persona of Bruce Wayne, um, shedding the material goods of Bruce Wayne in order to enter into this. And this isn't, oh, doesn't he have all of his stuff? Like that's not, we don't just mean like he magically doesn't have money anymore. Like his money as Batman doesn't really do him a whole lot of good. I mean, well, it's his, his, you know, his equipment does or whatever, his training. It's, it's, so, I mean, the money, the money that Batman has is his, his power, right? Like his grace, if you will. Like it's, it's how he influences the world around him. Um, so it's important. I don't know if you're going to get too many angry fans if you, <laughs> I don't know if you, you quite hit that one on the head. But what I will say is the Batman persona, when people see Batman, they don't see rich man they see scary monster man, right? So what you're saying and what's accurate about what you're saying is that it's not the money that makes Batman Batman to the people who see Batman, right? The money makes Batman possible, but that's that's not it. No one's paying attention to any of the, the you know, the nuances of that, right? They're not deconstructing Batman, um, you know, when they're getting punched in the face by Batman. <laughs> right um batman's batman's power over villainy is his ability to um disappear into a, a darker form and um empty out the rich wealthy playboy um into this kind of sacrificial form right that he can then use to punish evil and things like that because it's not it's not um cushy Right. He's not on a yacht with a bunch of Russian ballerinas, you know. So maybe, yeah, maybe the more accurate way to describe it is um, resources, no, but status, yes. And you can almost see, I mean, again, why why I wanted to use kenosis as kind of the, the theme or the, the kind of jumping off point is you think of, um, you know, the, the big line in Philippians chapter 2, though he was in the form of God, he did not desire something to be grasped, and so he emptied himself, mm -hmm. right, in mm -hmm. reference to God the Son. And so, in a sense, he didn't shed himself of that divine power, as we see throughout the Gospels, right? Right. And so, again, if you want to use that parallel with, you know, he doesn't shed Bruce Wayne's power in the sense of the money which bought the resources, which allowed Batman to do what he did, but he shed that that status, yeah, right? status he of it. wasn't no, recognized exactly it. as God the Son. Right. He wasn't recognized as the Son of Man. And in fact, if it was precisely when you know he would claim himself to be that he was rejected or laughed off. And so you can almost imagine a sort of parallel where, not that he would do this, but it's like if Batman is going around, hey, who do you think you're doing this to? This is Bruce Wayne. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like right. that similarly would have been laughed off because again, it was shedding the he could shedding the status, be. shedding the. He could not simultaneously both be both Bruce Wayne, the status symbol, and Batman, 
the um, you know transcendent persona. Like he couldn't, he could not be both and achieve the results that he is trying to achieve as that superhero. In the same way, when Christ comes into, you know, we're close to Christmas here, the um, nativity season. That's and, not when this is going to be, uh, um, when this is being recorded. Well, we're recording. I mean, spoiler alert, folks, you know, these get recorded whenever, but um, when when Christ is incarnated. Whenever you know, Jacob feels like showing up. Yeah, whenever I feel like, I'm a busy guy, right? I mean, I got a lot of status, folks. Um, but, uh he does not come as a conquering king this first time around, right? Like he he comes um, hidden, he comes garbed in the you know flesh of humans, and um, you know kind of hidden amongst the masses, kind of thing, right? Rich and made himself poor, right? Exactly. I mean, that's, there again, that's the, from the letters as well. Mm-hmm. And so the interesting thing about Jesus, though, is that he doesn't shed his power, right? Just like. Batman still has bajillions of dollars, right? But in that moment, he is not, um, that's not the status that he's owning, right? Um, Christ well, I just is, had to address it when, you know, you told me I missed the mark. I had to, you know, <laughs> yeah. I had to come back around yeah. and be like, yeah. before, before all yourself. the angry mail comes in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so just, it was a clarifying point, right? Fair enough. Any, but, uh, Fair enough. Anyway, no, no but, in, and again, uh, that's, that's maybe like the, the, um, first example or primary example. Um, but you think of like, you know, the entering, entering into darkness, which we've used to talk about apophaticism, but there's also like, there is a, a shedding, right? A shedding of natural abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, a hiding and, of them, let's say, or, or a, mm-hmm. uh, a putting them down. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and, and then, you know, you were even saying before how like he's even perceived in, especially the modern iterations as well, this whole idea of, you know, not killing the bad guy is seen as a weakness. Mm-hmm. And that becomes its own sort of sacrifice or self-emptying of even though this would, you know, gratify the the, the bloodlust, basically, mm-hmm. or this would gratify the modern sensibilities, modern moral sensibilities, it, it takes a sort of, again, emptying of that convention or conventional wisdom or commonsensical wisdom <laughs> yeah. to... Uh, Common sensibility, to still, not, to, to still not fall into that, and so there is again, it's a sort of martyrdom, right? It's a sort of emptying, to, in a sense, not because that's part of it. Like you said, he didn't want to become that. He didn't want to give into that, right? Mm-hmm. And so, giving into that violent passion, to the degree of killing somebody, like, you know, it wasn't just oh, because I'm so stoically virtuous. It was because you know, that you become someone else or Batman mm-hmm. didn't want to become someone else. And so there again, it was the emptying of that so that he could, like you said, transcend it, become this, you know, symbol or whatever the case, you know, whatever language is used in Nolan or, or uh, whatever. Right. Right. But, but there, that's where the, that's, it's, it's from his own self emptying mm-hmm. that, that transcendent part well, of the character. Yeah. And he has through. to, he has to, um, you know, let's take the end of the Dark Knight, for example, when he takes all the sins of Harvey Dent upon himself, right? When he um, when he walks away from the... That's another scapegoat reference where you're looking ahead. <laughs> we'll have to come back to that. Circle around I in know, a couple right? of weeks. Hint, hint. 
we'll um, preview the next episode too, everybody. That yeah, scapegoat. Might that's as well be at this point. I mean, shoot. But um, you know, like he. Uh, oh, did I lose my train of thought now? Look what you did. Sorry, he takes on the sins of Harvey Dent. Well, so, yeah, well I so no, you're good. Like so, this idea that he's a self-emptying. Um, he doesn't want to do that, right? Like his goal was not to go become the um, the scapegoat of uh, the Joker and Harvey Dent. That was the a sudden choice that needed to be made in the Sorry, moment. But you could describe Harvey Dent as a fall sort of thing. Yeah, and and they literally yeah, fell I mean, too. Actually, they they fall oh off that. <laughs> you know, at the very end, you know, they both fall off the. Wow, bro! You forgot to wink at the camera. I, or I forgot to wink, wink at the camera. Wink. When I said that. Yeah. Um, so, but no, that's it is a fall from grace, certainly, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he's the you know he's the the he's pre-fallen man, and yeah. then it's this you know my he, Gotham, he, my he Gotham, why have you forsaken me? Anyone? He he entertains the serpent though in that one, and what has to happen is you know Batman has to take on the sins of of Harvey Dent, like you said. I mean, it's almost honestly, it's actually. It's it's even more perfect than we were. We weren't even really originally thinking about this or talking about this. Yeah, I mean, you know? this we have rough outline notes, but the conversation, which frankly, it's pretty meandering, right, everybody. So it, what, that's okay. That's what we're signed up for here. But um, yeah, you know, the conversation goes where it wills, and you uncover, you uncover these parallels. And I mean, you can you can say that we just made that up, but I don't think that's an accurate description of. Uh, yeah, I you know this is these types of eternal truths. They just kind of permeate good fiction. They permeate good characters, um, and I think that uh, an enduring symbol like Batman, an enduring character like Batman, is going to be chock full of these perennial um, revelations of kind of divine truth. Let's call it the you know the kind of foundation of the world kind of stuff. And that's what interested me in, in having these talks to begin with is to point out the through line, the undercurrent that we find in these stories. Um, and we're barely scratching the surface because there's no honest. It almost feels like a, it almost feels like we're, we're um, going back to the shallow end when I bring up kind of my next thing of like the refusal of conventional weaponry. You mm. know? Well, uh, that, but like that's very much as a canonic moment too right i mean it goes to it goes to the heart of the whole refusing to kill um mm-hmm. it goes to the heart it's a similar yeah it's a parallel mm-hmm. um it's uh it's is batman using his power right um and in, in which case it's his money you know and stuff like that to do things not the way other people would choose to do it Right. Um, and as such, inviting scorn, but also being something that, you know, not Gotham City wants, but what Gotham City needs. Right. Um, the one of my favorite things about um, or well, let me rephrase that. One of the things I like the most. Let me rephrase it a third time. There is a line in scripture. Uh, where we'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there's a moment in the Beatitudes um, where Jesus says, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth, right? You know, that's a pretty famous one. Um, and 
what I heard uh, in a sermon once or a homily, I don't know if I read it somewhere, but basically that word that Jesus uses for meek is a reference to a bridled horse, okay? That basically um, it's, I guess, the Aramaic and whatever that means. You have a big, strong horse, but it is passively led um, at the command of the you know rider of the horse using that bridle and things like that. The word for meek um, comes from that context, okay? And that's the word that Jesus is using in that line. In other words, I think that nowadays especially, but maybe it's been that way for a long time, people think meek equals the word weak, that it's a synonym. Meek and weak are synonymous, right? The reality is, is that horses are, you know, much, much, much stronger than their riders, but they allow themselves to be harnessed um, so that they can be used appropriately instead of just using their power. Exactly. 100% correct. Um, And so what Jesus is referencing here is this idea that we're not supposed to be weak, okay? Like he's not asking people to be weak when he makes that statement. He's asking people to be properly ordered, like you're saying. He's asking people to harness their strength for correct purposes and whatnot. Batman is not weak. He could kill the Joker anytime. He could use guns anytime. He could he could give into any of those impulses anytime. But he harnesses his power and he uses it in a way that he knows is the best order of his strength. Um, for various, you know, again, for various reasons, different writers give different answers as to why that is. Uh, the most common one. Those batterings look really sharp, too. So they, like, you could do some damage with those. They, yeah, they sure. I mean, again, if you look at that uh, Batman vs. Superman movie, they're basically like battering Bowie knives. <laughs> Bat knives kind of thing. Um, Sorry to derail you. No. you know, some writers have they've, oh, no, they've like, speculated they've back, gone into the different, yeah. We like, talked about this earlier in the episode, but like you know, it used to be the case that uh, Batman didn't kill people just because it's wrong to kill people, you know, and because of like the, um, the sounds like a deontology. So. Yeah, well, and and also a little bit of the um, grief of his, you know, not wanting to be a murderer like the person that caused him so much grief, right? But nowadays, it's much more of a I'm too much of a psychopath to cross that line. Right. You just you see a lot more people responding with, no, you see, he can't let himself kill people because if he did that, then he would just never go back. And he would just never he would basically paint Batman as literally a psychopath. Right. As if he's already crazy. He's already crazy. He's just a he's a psychopath that harnesses his his bloodlust. Um, so he's an unbridled horse. <laughs> yes, sort of, kind right? of. Yeah, right. right. I don't know. Whatever, wherever the analogy makes sense. I'm throwing you bones. Here. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're throwing something at me. Um, but uh, yeah. <laughs> the uh, look, I I was worried you're gonna start like describing the dream you had last night at first. You're like, let me back up. Let me start over. I'd be like, oh, this is great content. <laughs> Um, yeah, but what I want to say about that is like, you know, it was like Batman, but it wasn't Batman. You know? <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, I know. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> um, the, that strikes me. Listen, I think there's a place for, there's a place for that line of thinking where it's like Batman recognizes an, uh, um, a, 
proclivity towards a kind of sin in himself, and he doesn't want to give it an inch. You know, he doesn't want to lean into. Uh, so there's there's redemptive connotation to that line of thinking, but oh, I also man, that was perfect setup. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> just keep going. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm pulling the veil back. But yeah, uh, <laughs> I think that it betrays more than anything people, modern writers' inability to understand that Batman doesn't kill people because Batman is still fundamentally a good person, whereas they they view. Uh, Batman as a psychopath that is harnessing his psychosis for good. So you were talking about this idea of you know what was kind of lacking in the modern understanding, modern writing of Batman and how it seems like just so many don't get a lot of these aspects is because we just in general don't have a concept for redemption. We have no like toolkit. We have no foundation to even get redemption. And that's what all of this stuff we've been already going through, whether it's about um, apophaticism, about kenosis, about shedding this shedding this persona in order to transcend this, this idea. It's all ordered towards the object of redemption. And, you know, we see the same thing, obviously, in the person of Jesus. And the church fathers uh, talk so much about how, you know, what has not been entered into has not been redeemed. And so they make such a big deal about how God the Son had to enter into every aspect of humanity, right? Mm -hmm. All the uncomfortable parts of it, all the difficult parts of it, including the most difficult part of death itself. It was essential that the Son of Man entered into death. And this is why you'll find in both of our historical traditions, Orthodox and Catholic, there's a theology of Holy Saturday, mm -hmm. a theology of not just Jesus' death, not just him dying, but him being dead for that day, right? Yep. And it should, it almost is, uh, it was almost scandalous that he was dead for the, you know, for all of Holy Saturday, but he had to enter into death, mm -hmm. into the, the very depths of it. And why? In order to redeem it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you, you mentioned this before. I, I actually love that you had the line, um, Gotham, Gotham, why have you forsaken me sort of thing? Because, like, that's what was being, that's, that's ultimately what was being redeemed. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, there's individual people of Gotham. And I'm not even going to sit up here and try to claim that he, like, Batman was thinking, oh, if I just keep saving the Joker, he'll eventually, you know, convert or he'll eventually uh, repent or whatever. I'm not even going to go that far necessarily. Right. But he no, um, and, and he was entering into the darkness of Gotham in order to save Gotham. Right. Right. And not just as a collective, but... We see it in every individual episode. It was to save that person of Gotham. It was to save that person of Gotham. Mm -hmm. And I think there is something to be said about him not killing the people because it does give them that opportunity for repentance. Not that they, you know, I, I'm, and honestly, I'd be hard pressed. You can probably think of it a better example than I can of somebody who actually does. I think, gosh, and again, I'm thinking animated series. Does the Mad Hatter repent at the end? Um, I don't remember now. Like after he gets, well, you know, because they do have a couple of interactions. Let's hear. I, I really good. I know we, we talked about the Mad Hatter. Uh, one, maybe so. the the most obvious one that comes to my mind is somebody like Catwoman who becomes much more of an anti-hero than a straight up villain uh, throughout both yeah. both in the animated series and in comics. But um, Harley Quinn becomes something. But his of goodness a, is confounding, like to Catwoman. That's isn't, true. I mean, yeah, no, good, they're not. A, they're like, not the same. Batman's goodness is confounding to Catwoman, and so there again, there's that sort of scandal of 
the self-emptying, scandal of his goodness. Mm-hmm. And I'm even thinking in the Nolan, you see that. Um, but in the in the animated series, I think you do too. So. Well, and it's funny. Actually, I'm glad you brought the Nolan. I wasn't even thinking about the Nolan. Um, she actually does have much more of a redemptive arc in the Nolan movie. In the Nolan movie, yeah. she's going to bounce. She's going to leave Gotham to mm-hmm. its fate. It's going to get blown up in a nuclear you know, thing. And it's, uh, yeah, and and it's his it's goodness. His, goodness you know? his unadulterated goodness, his self-sacrifice that brings her back around, right? And then they have that kind of beatific, happy ending, you know, epilogue. Um, so it's very fitting um, from a theological perspective, you know, at least in this conversation, what Nolan does in that third movie. Um, but, uh, you know, there is also um, the Robin character, in the Nolan movie, the the why well, can't I think of the guy's name though? Um, he's the police officer. Joseph it's Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I don't remember his name in the in the movie though. Oh, sorry. whatever. No, but um, JGL over there. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, he he's an example of someone who um, is inspired by Batman and goes on to um, his patience is rewarded you know, when Batman comes back and, you know, delivers the city and things like that. And then ultimately he goes and takes over the role, right? Um, well, and he's, of course, a parallel because he's entered into many of that those same darkness. Like he was part of the orphanage, mm-hmm. he became a cop, and he was seeing all the corruption. And so he, in a somewhat similar but also, you know, distinct mm-hmm. route, enters into that sort of darkness that Batman did just, you know. Well, in his own universe. And there's interesting, all right, so then one thing that we've just never gotten around to in any of these episodes, which could be an entire episode unto itself. Maybe, who knows? Maybe there's a part four out there, folks. We'll give it some we'll time it some before thought, we go. But, yeah. um, we'll, we'll revisit Batman. Would eventually. be his extended Bat family, like the Robins, uh, Batgirl, Commissioner Gordon even. The relationship that Batman has with the people um, within his circle of influence um, is fascinating subject matter. I mean, to condense something for this particular conversation, um, all the Robins communion of saints. <laughs> no, it's it's totally it's totally true. No, saints. it's that's exactly that's exactly or the divine divine filiation. The most, it's divine filiation. The most obvious parallel is the um, the the imitation of Christ, like the the imitation of Christ um, entering into his self sacrifice and things like that and then imitating his behavior, and then achieving um, similarity, right? Achieving likeness, well, and, and that would be like a Theophilus. Robin being adopted. Like, yes, the adopted, and they're all, they're all yeah, adopted. So so like, the, when I say the, the, the term bat family is the correct kind of like pop culture verbiage for it. It is not a metaphor. Yeah, but it's also, everyone knows it's not a metaphor. Everyone uses that language, and it's a perfect approximation for uh, divine adoption. Right in the Christian, you know, worldview, where we enter into the family of God, um, sons and daughters of God, and we become imitators of Him. We become like Him, and our aim is to enact Him through our lives, and ultimately to be transformed into Him in a much more real sense um, in the age to come. Right, the Robin characters, the the Bat family characters. Um, they are all examples of this to some extent. Um, and so they're all reflections of Batman or extensions of Batman in their uniqueness. Because that's the other cool thing about it 
is they all have their own unique personalities. They don't become little mini Batman, right? They become mm. like Batman, but they they act in ways that Batman acts, and I mean that to say they're, they, they adopt the vigilante lifestyle, right? Um, but they don't become grumbling, you know, gruff well, mentors. They become and actually, who they are. We actually kind of we, – we saw a sort of inverse of this in our first conversation because we were talking about a lot of the villains and how the villains are um, – it's like they're it, – they almost like represented Christian heresies because they took one good thing about Batman and blew it up at the expense of all mm-hmm. the others. And so they were, they were like reflections mm-hmm. of – the character of Batman, but like I said, um, distortions. Yeah. They were they were distorted reflections. Right. Whereas now we're seeing on the flip side, they are highlighting maybe they one carry elements part of Batman, of the character more but than they others. don't. They're not yeah. distortions, of but Batman. not at the. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you know, and and it would probably take you know a little bit more um, background thought, background research to like say, oh, how does this character? Oh, do who are you talking to, but Mike? But no, interesting... for real. No, I, I can do this. <laughs> uh, I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. so Tim Dr- Tim Drake like, oh, Tim so Drake's like, like the techie um, Robin, right? So he's he is the and he's also like the mystery solver one. So he is like the detective element of Batman personified, right? And then. Um, but which gift of the Holy Spirit? That's the one. <laughs> which That's gift really, of the Holy Spirit? Discernment? No, let's just keep pushing this. Let's keep upping this at <laughs> we'll the up. Yeah. Because I, uh, I actually was going to start with Alfred, and I was like, okay, Alfred, is it like... Well, yeah, Alfred, I, I mean, know. the Robins are easier to do this with because they it's really there's been a lot of conversation about it. Alfred's much more of a um, kind of father figure, so we'd have to think about how that plays into... Our conversation oh, here. Now you're kind of getting into a trinity. It might, it, yeah, maybe so. <laughs> That's an interesting. That'll be less obvious to do. But um, you know, Jason Todd was like the anger of Batman, right? Like the righteous fury. That was Jason Todd, um, and zeal for the law. Consumed, yeah. <laughs> you could say. Yeah, maybe, maybe not so yeah. much the law as just sheer revenge. But um, you know, kind of uh. anyway, um, and uh, you know. Damien, Damien is his fighting skills, like, you know, it's just his martial mastery and all that stuff. And I've saved Dick Grayson for last because he's kind of like the all-rounded one. He's, he's much more, he's the closest approximation to just replicating Batman's balance, um, but he doesn't have the same weight of darkness that Batman has. So he's, he's kind of like Batman's humanity. Um, let's call it that. Um, but, uh, you know, they're all reflections. Honestly, yeah, I am. I mean, it's not going to be for a little while, but I, I do see us coming back to this. Um, yeah, like well, even we didn't just even get like into a, Batgirl. A we didn't characters. get into some of the other lesser-known Robins. We didn't. There's there's a lot you could talk about with the Bat Family. We didn't get into Ace the Bat Hound. So you know, the way that uh, we humans elevate the animal kingdom. You know. Oh you yeah, know, can, no, there's and actually there's. We can maybe take a more positive. Uh, we can take a more positive perspective on just the role of animals when it comes to yeah mythology in general, really, right? Because I mean, there's this there's a long history of of that sort of thing before we started putting them in comic books, and not even just as like a um, cute or convenient like helper, mm-hmm. but that they pl- just like animals played specific roles in mythology mm-hmm. and told 
they tell us something about the ancient people, but they also told the original hearers something about um, the world or themselves uh, or Did the I, virtues. Well, and you know where I'm coming from on this. I don't think I've mentioned this to you yet, but I've finally getting around to reading through the Space Trilogy by C.S. Lewis. Oh, they so are, good. and that, there's yeah, there's common so themes in that about like uh, the the relationship of the you know kind of image bearers like the 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 now um, and like the animal kingdoms in all three books. Like there's a reference to the relationship that the intelligent creatures have with the animals around them and how we bring them into a garden and Eden Eden type relationship. You know. Uh, unfallen man. It's thing. it's kind of like I mean, I think out of the well, out of the Silent Planet and Paralandra, it's almost like if you took the um, the magician's nephew Chronicles of Narnia mm. story and like made it a gro made a grown up version, it would be those yeah, two books. That's interesting. Now I would say that um, that hideous strength is it kind of takes a little bit of a turn. I actually I'm only first, I'm only halfway through that my, book. So don't, don't. Okay, I won't. I'm not giving anything away. Uh, when I first read through the series, number two was my mm -hmm. favorite, and then when I did reread the C.S. Lewis Space Trilogy, um, that hideous strength is now. I mean, and it's been a couple of years, but once I, I remember the most recent time I went through it, number three was my. It's my the most. It's um, it's the most. Um, it's the most like dense, adult most fiction profile. I would you know, say, like they're all they're yeah. all more adult than the Narnia books are. But um, it's much more of a political thriller almost. But what it does have is um, they have animals. There's like a bear. It's kind of a, <laughs> There's a bear living with the. It's kind of like a narrative. Oh, yeah, no, that's. I mean, because we were talking about right. animals. And, but um, it's almost like a narrative version of his Abolition of, of mm -hmm. Man mm -hmm. uh, essay. And, and again, so. I don't know where the story goes. So I'm not sure if that's like where he's going to go with it. But it's almost like him. I won't go any further. No, than that, and yeah. I'm I'm just you know I'm obviously going to be right or wrong on this guess. But like, there's it's very apocalyptic feeling. The whole book is a, a very apocalyptic has a very apocalyptic sense to it. So I don't know how literally None of you guys can see. Jacob's not even looking at the camera, but he can't see how big my screen <laughs> is right now. <laughs> yeah. So I, I you know we'll see I'm where just... it goes. Um, I should finish it within yeah. the week, but um. But yeah, no, it's been good. But you know, anyway, there's still there's animals in that book too that are elevated and, and living at peace with. Oh man, I love. Like yeah, that, so. we'll definitely incorporate that into uh, into an episode in some way because I mean I love that series. We both love uh, we both love C.S. Lewis. Mm -hmm. We've we haven't talked about him as much on this you know on these recordings yet, but um, we definitely have just in our you know in our every off time I separately revisit C.S. Lewis because I'll go through like phases. And every time I revisit him, it's like, I can't, like, why isn't C.S. Lewis more a part of my life at all times? <laughs> you know, his writing is, um, it's almost unique in how warm it makes my heart feel. You know, he's a special author, C.S. Lewis is. But anyway. Yeah. Um, so, well, anyway, yeah, no, like, we, we've hinted at it and we look forward to, having all of you guys join us we're gonna have another we're gonna have a conversation uh probably not gonna be so much about batman next week or sorry the next time we we get together we are gonna be talking a lot about if you're familiar with the concept of the scapegoat if you've ever heard of something called mimetic desire mimetic crisis Rene girard all those sorts of things i mean 
that it very much lends itself not only to history, as Gerard kind of talked about, but to fiction, mythology, and obviously it's, there's going to have a lot of parallels to the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, some obvious ones. We're going to talk about all that sort of stuff uh, next month or going into the next couple of weeks. Look forward to having all of you guys join us. Look forward to talking with Jacob about it. I enjoyed this with you. I know you enjoyed Batman. Even if I had just sat here quietly, which I couldn't do, you would have enjoyed You know, enjoy this while it lasts. These might be the only episodes where I actually talk more than Mike. You know, time will tell. Yeah. Time will tell. Yeah, we'll see. We'll, uh, yeah. We'll see when the when the stats come back on it, too. So. But anyway, this... This has been a, a product of Voyage Comics. You know, subscribe to the Voyage Podcast. We we love um, just having you guys on and you know hearing from you. And we'll see you know however much we can um, con- have you guys contribute to our discussions so that we can you know just try to talk about the things or, or incorporate the things that you guys want to hear us talk about. Or you know if you have recommendations, obviously of sci-fi or you know mythology or or even theology books that tie it in i'm kind of a sucker for those books anyway so any of that sort of stuff but uh yeah anyway um just look forward to coming back this was fun i loved it until we meet again thanks for listening to voyage podcast the voyage podcast is a production of voyage comics and publishing which seeks to create exceptional entertainment informed by catholic values that inspire people to live a heroic life Voyage Comics seeks to advance truth and beauty found in powerful stories. To learn more, visit voyagecomics.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram 